Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. I'm here in a beautiful venue on the island of Molokai in the Hawaiian Islands. I've been given the privilege of coming here to help as one of the volunteer educators for a residential lifestyle change program. It's a seven-day program, and uh, this uh, unique privilege was extended to me and my wife by someone by the name of Mercy Ritty, who I just met when we arrived here in Molokai, even though we'd been communicating electronically for some time, Mercy is sitting across from me. Mercy, it's great to have you a guest on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So Mercy, did you grow up right here on the island of Molokai? I did. I grew up here during my early years. Um, however, I went to a private school on another island, Oahu. So a lot of times someone will grow up in a more rural location. Molokai is considered a more rural venue, right? Yes. Give us a feel for what the population's like, what the island is like. Well, the population here is about 7,000, maybe 7,500. Um, we have no traffic lights. We have just two-way streets. We don't have really have a city. We have towns and small buildings. People here still rely heavily on subsistence, gathering and hunting here. So basically, the folks on Molokai, many of them live like their ancestors have lived for generations. Yes. Here's the interesting thing to me, Mercy. A lot of times we'll find, whether it's people in Indian country in the mainland, whether it's Native Hawaiians, Alaska Natives, people will grow up in these uh, uh, close rural communities. Then they'll go away to get an education like you did, and they'll end up marrying someone from a different cultural background and never set foot back on the reservation or the, the, the lands that were sacred or special to their family. But your story is a bit different. So even though you received an education on another island, you've ended up back here on Molokai. Tell us how that story played out. I graduated from the school I attended on Oahu. And growing up, I would say often that I would never return home because, I, you know, it's a very slow-paced island, very small. Um, the island is roughly 36 miles long, quite tiny. And to me, as a kid or as a teenager, I felt it was very boring. Like, Molokai had nothing to offer. But my senior year in high school, I came home to visit, as we often do. I was a border student at Kamehameha School. I would come home on vacations, and I met an individual, Molokai born and raised person. And, you know, we became friends. And then we developed kind of a interest in each other. And as soon as, when I graduated from school, I decided I wanted to return home and work at home during the summer. And it was through him that I got involved in fish pond work. So I was able to reconnect to my cultural roots. Kamehameha School is a Hawaiian-based school, so you, you need to have, you need to be Native Hawaiian to attend. But I could not identify with my, my Hawaiian side there. It was, you know, the education part was very prominent, but the culture part, you know, connecting to Aina and the values that are instilled in our culture, there was no connection. I mean, I lived on Oahu, so it's kind of a city, city, city-like island. But coming home and work at the fish pond really connected me back to to my roots. And it was through my now, who's my um, my husband. Um, I decided that Molokai is where I wanted to be, and 
Here I am still. So you mentioned several things that some of the listeners may not pick up on. So I've heard this term a number of times in the few days that I've been on Molokai. Aina, tell us a little bit about what that is. So Aina um, literally is the land, um, but it can also incorporate or encompass the from the mountain to the sea. And so in our culture, Aina is very important. And um, here on Molokai, I would say Molokai, among all the Hawaiian Islands, Really, the community here really strive to protect the, our aina, our environment includes everything, our, you know, from, from mountain to sea and the lifestyle here by continuing the practices of our ancestors. You know, one term we use is malama to take care of or aloha. Aloha aina is to love our, our land and we do that by not dumping poisons into our land. I mean, we, the people of this land, um, we do have corporations that exist here that may not be as aware of our lifestyle here and the importance of preserving the land here. So anyway, but as a people, we see that without our land, without clean water, clean land, um, we have nothing really. You know, we, we literally depend on our land and waterways and resources to survive here. We're very tiny in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And just recently, the barge didn't come in. And we realized that, you know, we without the barge, we realized that because of our re- the remoteness and the location of where we are, that we need the land to sustain us. And so we got a kind of a glimpse of what it would be like if the barge never ca- or never came in because it didn't. <laughs> and like the shelves in the store stores were empty and so it just reminds us that you know we have to malama what we have here because and grow our own food to to survive because that's all we have i love your story because basically i think this is one that many of our indigenous listeners can relate to so although you have deep native hawaiian roots here on the island of molokai you end up off island another hawaiian island and many people like you thought yourself that the story was just going to play out where you'd never come back to your uh, ancestral home but uh, the Creator has a way of bringing us back around, uh, and you end up reconnecting with the island of Molokai, with the, the, the people, with the, the values of your ancestors. You mentioned something else interesting that I really didn't have really any insight into until I came here to your beautiful island, and that is the fish ponds. Mm-hmm. And so folks who are listening, they're saying, well, what is all this about fish ponds? So the fish ponds... Um were used and created or um, built hundreds of years ago as a means to to grow um, food, and so fish, of course. And it is on Molokai, Kiavanui, is one of the only existing functional fish ponds in the state of Hawaii. Uh, We have many, many, but they're all pretty much in ruins. Um, And so the team, the employees here, the staff here, have really worked many, many years, over 20 years, and just... Um, restoring the place and bringing life back to the fish pond and to the loko'ia is um, the term we use for fish pond. And our kupuna our, or our ancestors relied on the fish pond to um, gather their fish and to grow their fish. And so it's important. I mean, today the fish pond is functioning, whereas it's, you know, the fish are growing and, but we're not utilizing it to, to, gather fish currently and to feed the island. I mean, it's not right now, it's not really practical. It can be a labor-intensive work in some sense because we deal with a lot of environmental um, influences. Like what we're seeing right now is an influx of 
jellyfish. And so you're seeing a lot of imbalance in the fish pond. So dealing with a lot of the changes in the environments, I mean, the rise in sea level and the temperature. I mean, there's so many issues that affect the fish pond. So it's really hard to be successful. What I found fascinating when you talk to a fellow from uh, originally from the Midwest about fish ponds, I'm thinking of a little thing, maybe a quarter of an acre or something at most with uh, some water in it and, you know, dirt around it. But the fish pond here, your husband, Ua, took took some of us out in a, a, a watercraft, and I think he said it was 40 acres. It's a, really a walled-off portion of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was, was interesting. So basically, you have this historical property here that you're, you're leasing, and you're doing something, though, especially innovative right now with this program. You're trying to help people, Native Hawaiians, residents here of Molokai, to improve their lifestyle. So tell us how that vision was uh, was born in your heart. Well, um, I attended a school in Northern California called Weimar Institute. And it was there that as a student, I learned about lifestyle, health principles, and practical ways that we can help others improve their health through hydrotherapy, cooking, and um, I knew that the skills I gained there, I wanted to bring home and share with my community in some way. And so it really started with going into the homes of my friends and families first. So I wanted to start there with those who I knew to share what I learned. Um, and then from there, it kind of grew into this vision of really reaching individuals who suffer from many common lifestyle diseases that we see across the globe, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and I thought, my husband has been a caretaker of this fish pond for a very long time, over maybe 20 or plus years. And I felt like this location would be the perfect location for a, a lifestyle program because of the natural environment. It is set apart from the community, so you do feel like you're not really on the island. And um, we're close to the ocean, we're also close to the mountains. So you get a really beautiful scenery here and an atmosphere that... People would want to be and take time, you know, whether it was a weekend or a week out of their life and learn about how they can improve their health. And being here it's in itself, I feel just being here, stepping foot on this aina and being here uplifts your health like immediately. We've actually heard that from a number of the folks here. Fresh air, the beautiful scenery. But it's a very different lifestyle program than I've ever worked with. So I've worked with lifestyle programs throughout the U.S. and in, even in foreign countries, sometimes as a guest lecturer, other times actually seeing patients as a physician. And they're usually in resort locations, uh, maybe hotel facilities or medical center facilities. You've done something here very innovative in the sense as I look at it, it's it's reproducible for a small tribe on a budget because if I'm understanding right, the participants are paying less than $200 for a one-week program. Is that really true? Yes. And the reason for that is because we wanted this program to be made available to our community and to eliminate any financial obstacle and what's really neat is that we work with and are partnered with different organizations on our island who support the program and offer sponsorship as well. Mostly partial sponsorship, and we just ask participants to invest just an amount that they can 
so that there is an investment, so that there is commitment to improving their health and to learning. Now, I know some people listening to the show, they're going to say, wow, a lifestyle program for like $200 for a week, I'm signing up to come. But before they do that, we should let them know several things. First of all, both the staff and all the participants are staying in tents. You've made efforts to have extra, well, sanitary facilities. There's a number of outhouses here. There are a couple of outdoor showers. So it's really pretty simple living, right? It is. And and one thing to note, too, is that the intention really right at this moment is to really reach our community and to make it available to the people of this island. Um, and not that we're not open to inviting others, but we really want to make sure that we've allowed an opportunity for those who are here to participate. And it's true, even those who are here, even as rural as this island is, coming to Kiavanui can be a little challenging because um, we it's we are, you know, the amenities, what we provide is camp style. <laughs> I mean, it's comfortable camping, but sometimes we deal with the, you know, unpredictable elements. Like this um, this week, we're dealing with a lot of wind and rain. It's It's wet season for us in Hawaii. So that can, it can be challenging for some. The terrain here, you know, isn't, um, smooth. We're out in nature. And as you might imagine, everything is not flat. And so participating requires being, um, aware of your surroundings. No, no. I mean, it's, it's a perfect point. And so Kiava Nui, if I'm saying it close to correctly, is the name for this venue, right? Mm-hmm. And does that mean something in Hawaiian? Kiavanui, so Ava, so as mentioned, Kiavanui fish pond, um, Ava is the fish, is a, a type of fish here. Nui meaning big, large, or plentiful. So Kiavanui is, um, known for its plentiful Ava fish. Okay. So we want to hear more about how a program like this is working here, what the plans are beyond seven days of an intensive program, and really share a vision that other people uh, whether they're at a large uh, tribal venue on a reservation in the U.S., whether they're an Aboriginal person in Canada, or whether they're a person who doesn't have any Indigenous uh, roots that they're close to, could say, well, this is something we could do in our community. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that, that I'm excited about hearing a little bit more of your vision. I know my listeners are as well. We do have to step away just for a couple of minutes. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're talking with Mercy Ritty. She's the one who envisioned uh, an amazing lifestyle program on the island of Molokai. We're going to be talking more about practical lessons that can make a difference for you, your tribe, your family, right after this. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it. But it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit received. 
respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are here in a multi-purpose classroom on the island of Molokai. The venue is something called Keavanui, and I'm sure I'm not doing full justice to the Hawaiian term, but Mercy Riddy here is smiling I don't think she's smiling because I butchered the language so badly, but rather because she's a gracious individual. If you're just joining us, Mercy is a a native Hawaiian. She was born and raised here on Molokai, and now she's running an innovative lifestyle change program here. If you're hearing uh, some noise, this is a multi-purpose classroom. There are other people working in here. There's sometimes food preparation going on. And right now we're getting a tropical storm with the rain just pouring down around us and the wind blowing very strongly. We realize that when that happens, you'll be hearing windows likely closed in this venue, maybe doors slamming shut as uh, as the wind blows through here. But, Mercy, you've been talking with us about a vision that you had. You went to a training program at Weimar Institute. Some of our regular listeners may realize that I was a faculty member at Weimar, a physician there for uh, a number of years. And one of my students actually bore a striking resemblance to you. His name was Kiyoki, and uh, my understanding is that's how you learned of me. Yes, Kiyoki is my brother, and um, yes, he he um, recommended that I contact you to help with this program. Well, it's a privilege for my wife and I to be here with you, and uh, we're trying to cast a vision for what's happening here. So you go through that four-month training program at Weimar. You learn some of these practical skills, natural healing skills. You come back to Molokai, and you want to bring it back to your people. You told us in the last segment that you started by just going into homes and sharing what you learned, maybe uh, doing some massage techniques or doing cooking classes, things like that. I did. So um, it included primarily teaching plant-based cooking and chair massage, and also, um, we did a little bit of health check, like using home test kits to check their glucose levels. 
and I did presentations on the eight laws of health. Okay, so the eight laws of health. We have talked about that in previous segments, but it's been a while. So this is something that uh, that Weimar and other institutes have spoken of. What are these eight laws of health? So the acronym is New Start, and it is nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God. Okay, so we've got these eight natural elements. You tap into these. Did you, as you were learning these things, did you say, well, this helps me to appreciate some of my native Hawaiian culture better? Could you see things in that context? In Hawaii, on Molokai, we are um, primarily a Hawaiian, native Hawaiian population. And lifestyle disease like diabetes, the common ones, um, heart disease, high cholesterol, obesity, is very prevalent here. And so when I learned these eight laws of health, it made it easier to know, okay, like how can we address these lifestyle disease in the most practical way? And here are the laws. And it kind of broke down a more approachable way to helping others to improve their health and teaching others how they themselves can um, also improve their health. So you start this in a very much a, a grassroots way. You're working one-on-one with people. And at some point within the last several years, you got a vision of using this venue to host residential programs where people would actually come and stay in tents and and spend several days together. When did you start running programs at this location? January 2018 was our first Ahonaulu Groin and Wellness program, and it started as a weekend program, three nights. Okay, so you call it Ahonaulu? Yes, the Honolulu means growing in wellness or to improve in wellness. So it starts out as a weekend program. How successful was that? Well, the first program, um, it took a while for um, the community to kind of understand what we were providing and what this program was all about. I had a hard time getting people to register. I mean, I, you know, we did a lot of advertising and flyers went out, but it seemed like there was some hesitation because on this small island, when there's something new on the island, people are very um, cautious and a little bit more um, hesitant. And so it was it was a little difficult. But thankfully, a lot of our friends and family, so I say ours, my husband and I, our friends were willing to attend the first program to support really what we were starting. Well, this is interesting. So basically, you're having a hard time when you launch this idea, getting people who don't know you to come. But some of your friends say, okay, we'll support you. We'll come out for this weekend. And what kind of results did they have? So because it was a weekend program, we didn't quite focus on like documenting health checks. Some of them have been to Calvinui, so they thought, oh, this is going to be like, you know, like something fun to do, a retreat. But by the end of the weekend, it was life-changing for some of them. Like they didn't anticipate even the setup because they know here there's nothing. Um, the facility is just a classroom and um, a toilet and I mean you really have to set up the entire program there's no kitchen there's no convenient sinks outdoor sinks you have to build it and so I knew going into this that I wanted to have a setup that was a quality type program in a kind of makeshift <laughs> environment like it was we had to kind of put it together but as we through the program um, exactly what I learned at Weimar Institute is what was integrated into the program they had hands-on um, 
opportunities to learn hydrotherapy and natural remedies, how to create their own medicines using items they have right in their home. The first program, they were very fortunate. They actually received like a one-hour massage. So they didn't quite learn massage in this, that first program, but they received a, a massage and um, they were all engaged in the cooking classes. One thing that surprised everyone, and I found out later before starting the program, is that they were a little bit hesitant about the eating part because when you hear about plant-based eating, especially on Molokai, where pork and chicken, I mean, venison or you know deer meat and fish is common foods. This, this is like part of what people are raised with. So they hear plant-based food and, you know, they're kind of confused by that. And what does that mean? And the first thing that comes to mind is a salad. So there was some hesitance. Um, and this is the comments we got later. People feeling like maybe, like, what are they going to really be eating? And are they going to feel full? And are, are they going to feel, um, are they going to enjoy the food? And so that was the biggest, I think, challenge for people coming in. But they found at the end of the three days that plant-based eating can be very delicious and practical and easy to prepare, um, and everyone enjoyed it. So you have a successful introductory program, January 2018. Right now we're recording this in January of 2020, so two years have passed. Mm -hmm. You've run several of these programs, and you've stepped things up, and you decided this year to offer a full one-week program. Tell us how kind of things evolved and why you're doing a longer program at this point. Going back a few years from here, my mom was able to attend Weimar Institute's New Start Lifestyle Program. There, I believe it was 21 days. It was it was kind of lengthy. And she was able to, within a few days, uh, give up cigarette smoking and make changes to her glucose level. And, I mean, everything, like, changed. Like, she went in like, with blood pressure that was, like, extremely high and glucose levels. And anyway, I felt like, I would love to have, um, you know, we couldn't never, we couldn't do something as long as that, but I wanted to do a program that was long enough where we could see results. I always wanted to do that. Um, and honestly, when I finally connected with you, Dr. DeRose, it was supposed to be a weekend program. I think mm -hmm. initially, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned that to you. Then I thought, well, if Dr. DeRose and his wife are coming, like we need not to take advantage of you, but <laughs> take advantage of the opportunity that you are you know, coming to our island, I thought we need to do something longer, a one-week program, you know, to start. And so the opportunity seemed to be there, and, and that's why I basically took it on. I know I didn't realize that bit of the history, so I'm glad you're disclosing this. My wife was very excited when she first heard about an opportunity to come to Hawaii and help with the program. And as we were getting closer to coming out here, and we were starting to hear rumors about no power, no running water, living in tents, her enthusiasm, as well as mine, was uh, was diminishing, but we had told you we'd come, and we were willing to make the best of it. So we were pleasantly surprised. You, you have done an excellent job of having nicer tents and nicer mattresses mm -hmm. and uh, laying things out, outdoor sinks and outdoor showers, mm -hmm. outdoor uh, bathroom facilities that really, I mean, as far as uh, we've camped in a lot of places, this is really pretty nice uh, setup that you have. So you, you've done a you've done a nice job, and then even working with a multi-purpose classroom and turning this into uh, at times a functional kitchen. So in some of the segments, whether we hear it in this segment or not, 
since we're recording in this very same room, people are going to hear people banging around in the kitchen. They may hear blenders running. They may hear people coming and going or talking. Right now it's pretty quiet here. I think a lot of the participants are, are out either walking, maybe grabbing a shower or something mm-hmm. at this point. But for those listening, people are saying you're running things in a quality way, but it's on a budget. Individuals are paying less than $200 to come for the week, get all their meals, get all the instruction. You're running with volunteer staff. You guys were gracious enough to pay our way here, but you're not paying anything for our time. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, uh, Mercy. Having done this several times now and now being in the midst of a one-week program, do you think this is reproducible for people that say in other places in the world who may say, we value our land, we value our indigenous culture, we'd like to offer something for our people. Mm-hmm. Could other people do this, or is this something you said, listen, I'm about done with this, and I'm ready to throw in the towel? This is Dr. David DeRose, stepping away from that dialogue in Molokai, bringing you into my studio here on the mainland. We're going to come back in just a moment with Mercy's answer to that very important question and the implications for you, your family, your tribe, your community. They are exciting ones, lessons that we can learn from an indigenous program in the Hawaiian Islands. More right after this. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 
1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Dr. David DeRose here welcoming you back to our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're going back to a recording that I made on the island of Molokai a little bit earlier this year when Mercy Ritty and I were talking about an innovative program. I was asking her about lessons for us today. Here's the question and her response. Let me ask you this, uh, Mercy. Having done this several times now and now being in the midst of a one-week program, do you think this is reproducible for people that say in other places in the world who may say, we value our land, we value our indigenous culture, we'd like to offer something for our people. Could other people do this, or is this something you said, listen, I'm about done with this, and I'm ready to throw in the towel? <laughs> um, definitely. Definitely, this can be replicated somewhere else. Now, one of the interesting things to me, and I don't know if this was part of the plan to lure me here, <laughs> but you told me that you wanted to use my book, The Methuselah Factor, as a kind of structure or a framework for the program. Tell me how those dots got connected. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how that happened. Um, I think I may have been asking you like some health questions as I was developing um, and trying to put the details of the program into place. And I think your book might have come up and I purchased it, an electronic version of it, and I started reading it. And I thought, you know what? This is such a simple program. It's an easy read, the book is that I would love to integrate that program as a follow-up, your book, as a follow-up to the to um, this one-week, seven-day program. Because that's something I've noticed here on Molokai, we often have like a health class or workshop or a cooking class, like these individual activities, but nothing, there's no follow-up, there's no... Um, engagement after that. And and even for my mom, Weimar offered a wonderful program for her. If she if she lived near Weimar or was in the that vicinity, it would have been awesome because she would have had the follow-up probably. But she came home, she did the best that she could, but there was no support for her here at home. I was still just learning the little that I knew with this program, I knew that we needed a follow-up program and we needed to provide health coaches we have teams in this program, and so the health coaches are responsible for just being a support to each person and guiding them through the seven-day program and also through the follow-up and just being there to help them stick with their goals, their health goals, and to be successful, and not just within these 30 days, but thereafter. One of the things that I think is so exciting about the program, not that it's based on my book, The Methuselah Factor, but that it is based on a broader Construct, and you're not looking at just making a, making a difference as far as a seven day program, but you're saying this is the beginning of a 30 day journey where these individuals who are coming through this one week experience are going to stay connected with one another. You're going to continue to support them. They're going to be supporting one another and they're going to be going through specific tasks over the course of 30 days. I, I think this is especially powerful. You've never done anything quite like this though. Is that right? I haven't. This is the first time we're doing this. So we're going to look forward together to learning exactly what results. I know just from the five days or so that we've been here that people are already telling me about remarkable things happening with their blood pressure, their blood sugar, people already having to stop their medications for diabetes, for example, because their sugars were getting too low. So uh, very exciting. One other aspect, Mercy, that I think is so unique about your program the many lifestyle programs that I've worked in over the years, typically 
the staff is doing things to the participants. They're giving them massages. They're doing hydrotherapy. We have instructional classes, but you've taken the instructional aspect of this to a different level. It seems like most everything that happens from the hydrotherapy, the water treatments, to the massage, to the other natural remedies, it's all done in the context of kind of a classroom, hands-on learning experience. Can you tell us just a little bit about uh, what's behind that? Right. So we realized that we, we don't have the capability of serving beyond the amount that we, we can, that can, we can host here at Calvinui. And that it would not be to their benefit if we just provided the service or like, like you said, we are, you know, just giving the treatments and not teaching because the goal is to take what they learn and to bring it into their home and for that to multiply. And we want to start with the family. We always want to, you know, start with our family first. And then from there, the knowledge will spread, you know, into the community, to their neighbors, to their friends. And so, and we see that happening. So like how I, when I mentioned to you the first program, it was very difficult to get people to register no matter how beautiful the flyer was and how much I explained like, oh, we're having this and this. After that first program, the second program was like we had a waiting list and then the waiting list kept growing and growing. And so that was really neat to see and it was pretty, it was pretty quick. We were only able to offer that weekend program every quarter. So with this program, um, we are looking at once a year at this point because we really want that follow-up part to be successful and we want us to remain in touch with these individuals for the entire year and we invite their family so after this program after the 30 days we continue monthly cooking classes and it doesn't mean we stop exercising together and remaining connected to one another but one thing that we do have scheduled and we've been doing this for two years now is meeting monthly and the participants themselves volunteer to host a cooking class, and it's a plant-based mm. cooking class. They select the recipe. They open their home to whoever is able to attend the class, and we together donate the ingredients. So they let us know exactly what they're preparing, what they need, and we bring it together, and we cook together. We prepare the entire meal. We eat together. Um, and in fact, we have um, compiled all of those recipes, and I've basically compiled it and put it into a recipe book. So we now have our first Ahona Ulu Ohana. Ohana is family. And so we see ourselves as family. I mean, these people that come through aren't just people that we, we don't have ties to, but people that we see as family. And some of them are family, blood family, you know, blood related, but uh, many are not. And because of, I'm thinking because we come from a small community and the nature of this program where, you know, you're camping together, sleeping together, brushing your teeth together, we're in very close um, quarters that we develop this family atmosphere. This is Dr. David DeRose back in our studios on the mainland. And I'm thinking as we're having this great interview with Mercy Ritty, the developer of the innovative indigenous Hawaiian lifestyle program, I'm thinking as we talk about these interactive lifestyle classes, some of you are saying, well, what does that feel like? And I did record some segments there of those hands-on classes. We're going to go to some of that footage right now. It's a bit noisy, but I think you'll catch the enthusiasm of the participants as I describe just what's happening. We are here in the multi-purpose educational room at a venue in Molokai, Hawaii. It is called Keava Nui, 
At least that's my best attempt at pronouncing the native Hawaiian name for this place. And all the activity taking place around us is a series of lifestyle program participants who are actually doing a class, learning how to use natural remedies that are indigenous to here on the island of Molokai. I'm going to try to give you a glimpse of some of the dialogue that's taking place. The teacher has actually given them an assignment. Not only are they preparing some natural remedies based on some recipes, but they are also, well, they're also having to promote those natural remedies to their peers by developing some innovative commercials. We're going to be listening in on some of the dialogue here at this venue. Before we treat you, we want to know if you violated any of any of the laws of health. So, um, can you ask your husband if he had any um, any good rest or he eating proper nutrition? What exercise? Did you follow the eight principles of health? Well, to tell you the truth, honey, I never get enough sleep last night. I get blood pressure, and then this lady seemed to give me one wrong facial. <laughs> Okay, so I guess maybe he didn't get enough rest and the stuff he got on his face giving him a headache. All right, so you called the right place because we have the right remedy and we're going to get him right back to regular. So I'm going to send my assistant. She should be there in one minute. Send somebody? Yes. Right, real fast. One minute. Okay. Bye bye. That's too long. Oh, they're here already. I know it may have been somewhat difficult to catch the entire dialogue, but hopefully you got the feel that the group was acting out an individual who had a headache and was seeking natural therapies to help. As the skit continued, someone shows up and shares native Hawaiian remedies for that headache, and of course, the headache goes away quickly. Before we go to our closing clip, for this segment, which includes Mercy Ritty's contact information. I know you want that because I think if you're like me at all, you're getting excited about the possibilities for using approaches like this in your own community. But before we go to that last clip with Mercy, I wanted to share one other thing that impressed me with the intervention. Some of the people that most need the health education services that tribes and other organizations offer throughout Indian country can't take advantage of them because they have responsibilities caring for young children. I was enthused because there at Kiavanui, they were involving children as well because staff and participants alike can have children, and you got it, some of them were there at that venue. Take a listen. 
We're, we're continuing some informal interviews here in the Educational Center. And here we've got one of the uh, multi-talented members of the volunteer team, Jackie Jewell Esposa. Jackie, uh, we've heard you doing music. I know you're a registered nurse, but what are you up to now with the children here? Oh, right now we're placing a quarter on our elbow, and we're trying to catch it in a sweeping forward motion. What does this have to do with the lifestyle program? Um, you know, perfect health equals perfect circulation. <laughs> so we're just getting the blood flowing for all ages. Okay, so there's a number of uh, young children here, and you're, it looks like you're engaging them while the others are doing some work. Uh, Work with natural remedies is that also part of the motivation? That is part of the motivation and and getting them involved in physical activity. Very good, yeah. thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, the program did seem to offer something for just about everyone. Now here's that final clip from my dialogue with Mercy Riddy. Well, Mercy, we're excited about what you're doing. If someone says, "I'd love to learn more about what you're doing." How can they get a hold of you? I can be reached through email. That's probably the best way. My email address is mercyritty, M-E-R-C-Y-R-I-T-T-E at gmail.com. Okay, so mercy, M-E-R-C-Y, last name Ritty, R-I-T-T-E, at gmail.com. Okay, if you've got questions, you'd like to do something similar, don't hesitate to reach out to Mercy. We do have to step away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be coming back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health.
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're continuing a program featuring a very special lifestyle program from the venue of Molokai in the Hawaiian Islands. We're at a place called Keavanui, and to get a little bit better feel for the significance of this place, I have uh, sitting across from me Ua Ritti. Ua, it's great to have you with us on the show. Thank you. <laughs> now, a lot of folks are probably wondering about your name, Ua. Um, how do you spell that? Um, U-A. And is that your full Hawaiian name? No, it's just a, a nickname or a, a shortened version of Kalani Ua. Okay, so Kalani Ua, yeah. and you go by Ua. Yeah, yep, that's correct. So you have lived here on Molokai pretty much your whole life, is that correct? Yep, 42 years. And your family goes back many generations here? Not to this island, to the neighboring islands. Well, my father came here when he was like two from Maui. My mom came after when she married him, um, and she's from Kauai. So your family has deep roots in the Hawaiian Islands, you're native Hawaiians, and you have been calling Molokai home your whole life. Yep. What tie do you and your family have to Keavanui? Well, in 1995, um, right out of high school, my father started a program where um, we could um, reintroduce the Hawaiian fish pond to our culture. So one of the fish ponds we got introduced to is Keavanui. And it just so happened that the owner of the fish pond also owned land around it. So um, we have a nonprofit, and we opened up the lands, cleared it, got the fish pond running, the 40-acre fish pond. We have about three or four acres of, of, of land with a classroom and some cultural tents and um, huts. And we use it for education. We have any sort, um, all sorts of education from um, schools to clubs, to just um, programs, churches. They all run their educational stuff through here. And we provide the site and we provide our expertise in the site and the fish pond. So basically, you're doing things at this location pretty much year-round. Is that safe to say? Yep, we do it year-round. So you're doing this cultural preservation and these things that are bringing people back to the land. But you've also been providing a venue for your wife and teams that she has been bringing in to run these intensive lifestyle programs. Tell me a little bit about how that fits with your overall vision for this property. The owners, they have a, like a, a bylaw in, in their um, trust where we, they have to service like the native Hawaiian community. And uh, Molokai, we have the highest percent of natives on any of the um, other islands. We have like a 50% native population here. So we try to service them and this is a way of servicing them because the health on this island is uh, pretty bad um, overall uh, generational bad cooking habits and just bad health habits passed on generation to generation so um, there's a real need to educate people about the importance of what what you eat and the styles of stuff that you eat and this program fits right in i don't think we have this sort of program on the island that's available and it started out as a pilot project, and we tried it over a two-day two span or three-day span, and it worked real, real, really good. And this was the first one that we did for one week, and it had challenges, but 
I think you provided everybody with a good experience and a lot of education. And hopefully this is not the last. Um, this can happen like annually. Tremendous, tremendous. So I'm interested in a little bit more about the history. So was this kind of a joint vision that you and your wife had? Was Mercy kind of driving it and you yeah. dragging you along? Well, we both got into um, eating healthy with Monsanto here. And so once we started reading about them, things got into the, the health of food and everything. So it was, And then she really got into eating healthy. So she went up to Weimar. And when I went up a month later, um, I was in real bad shape. I had stomach problems. I was at my heaviest. I wasn't eating well. When I went up there in one month, I cleaned out. I lost 20 pounds. And I was, I was impressed. And, yeah, I was all in with this plant-based eating. And we were really excited because it's not that hard to do. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. So we wanted to bring it back and share it with the people on the island who, which really needs it. And hopefully we can, you know, change the health of our population for the better on, on Molokai. You mentioned Weimar. That's a health institute in Northern California. Uh, that's actually the connection between our families because I used to be a, a teacher and a physician at that facility and, and met your uh, brother-in-law, Kiyoki, and I think he was the one that uh, connected us. Yep, it was a real awesome place. It got me believing. Um, I was real skeptical about plant beasts because I was raised in a hunting family and um, we eat a lot of venison. But seeing the results and seeing all the people up there and the health that, that was up there, couldn't doubt it. It spoke for itself. What I think is exciting about your example, Ua, is you went to a program that was featuring exclusively plant-based items, so vegetarian menu at Weimar. And the program that you're running here is teaching indigenous peoples to just use plant-based choices available here on this island. But you're not telling people they have to become total vegetarians or vegans or totally plant-based. And you yourself still eat some wild game and things, right? Yeah, um, I'm not 100% vegan. Um, I sneak in a deer meat here and there because it's practical. And we tell people here, like, you don't have to go to cold turkey 100%. You know, start off slow and work your way into it. And then once you see the results and you feel better, then you're going to get into it and then you'll find yourself I mean 100% plant based but start it off slowly and uh, and that's way easier for people to accept that instead of just telling them you have to go cold turkey because we tried that and it people last a little while but like it's like a diet it doesn't really change their lifestyle they just do it for a month like hardcore vegetables only you know grease leaf and it doesn't last so um, yeah we tell them take it slowly and you'll see the results and and then hopefully you'll get excited and and take it all away and see and see how good the results can be. This is such an important message for indigenous peoples, uh, whether they're Native Hawaiians, Native Americans, Alaska Natives, because a lot of these cultures who lived very close to the land historically, they may have had forms of agriculture that were very important for their people, but almost all of them, I, I mean, I don't know of any exceptions where they didn't use some wild game or fish. So your message is move in that direction, use the kind of recipes, the kind of practical strategies you're giving people in a program like this, but they don't have to feel that they have to leave off all of their cultural yeah. dishes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, just do it in moderation. Like all, all culture, a, a lot of it, 90% of it was plant-based, and then the meats was like a treat there. You got your fish, that was a treat. You got your pig, that was a treat. Bird, that was all treats, but the... But 90% of it was all plant-based. 
But then, like all cultures, um, all of a sudden, once once Western contact came in, then we got now like they think our meal, our cultural meal, is spam. <laughs> they think we like like we love spam, and it's like no, that's 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 not how we eat. That's that's not our cultural food. Lao Laos, all that. That's that's not our cultural stuff. So. Very well put. So, Ua, I've heard since being here, and we're in the tail end of the, the program, things are winding up very soon, but I've heard that this place is kind of famous, that it's been featured on international television programming and things. Is yeah. that just a rumor, or is that true? No, yeah, we had um, Bourdain here, and we had that other guy, Zimmer. He came, some science shows on the web, on the YouTube science shows, they came, and it was interesting, yeah, so it... We attract a lot of different kinds of people. Bourdain was good. Bourdain really got into the culture and was really... How he is on the show is how he is in real life. Yeah, you meet a lot of interesting people here. <laughs> so has that television exposure drawn people to come out here and see the facility? Some, yeah, some. But then uh, um, one of the shows was... Um, the theme was don't come here. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. One of the shows was about um, outside islands coming to Molokai and plundering our resources, our fish, our um, limpets, all of our resources, our natural resources, because we're not overpopulated. We have a lot of resources. So one of the shows is about how our people defended our resources against the outside islands, and we got in legal trouble. So we wanted to get a message out there for tell people that, hey, if you can come visit here, you know, you got to come a certain way. Just don't come for, for exploit and take our resources. Well, very good. I so appreciate, uh, Ua, what you and your wife and the team that you've brought together here. Um, I've been excited with the results that the participants have had. For people who've tuned into this radio segment, any final messages you'd like to give as a native Hawaiian about the power of lifestyle? Um, yeah, you got to change it. We've just picked up brainwash along the way these past couple of generations, and that's not the lifestyle ancestors used to live. we got to look in the mirror and see that. <laughs> As a people, we're not healthy, and we got to change that. And the thing start with plant-based. It's simple, and you get used to it. And it's, yeah, to me, it's the simplest way for change your, your lifestyle and and be healthy again. Thanks so much. That was Ua Ready. Ua is basically giving you that message from another perspective, eating more of those indigenous plant foods, incorporate them in the diet, and you'll see a big difference. I'm Dr. David DeRose, back in my studios on the mainland. Hopefully you enjoyed that discussion with not only Ua Ritty, but also his wife, Mercy, on today's edition of American Indian Living. I especially hope you got a new vision for how indigenous practices can be revived and make a difference in your community. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service.